rise and shine. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to Good Morning Aurora. News, weather, and really cool interviews. Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. The time is now 8.01 a.m. You're listening to and watching Good Morning, Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. It's Friday, the 3rd of March. It's Women's History Month. It's also first Friday, too. Yeah. All of those. It's like a a burrito of cool stuff, right? Yeah, like, a just really wrapped good, up, like, like a real burrito. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. We hungry, so that's why, that's where that came from. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. We have a great guest with us today. We'll be talking about war relief with Rachel Wasink. Good morning. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. Yeah. When when you woke up this morning, what was the mood? What was the theme? Does that happen to you? I wake up with a theme. Like, yeah. I feel. Mm. Yeah, the theme of my day was. Oh, I missed my alarm. <laughs> so I've pivoted a bit, though. So now I'm, I'm just here, and the theme of my day is burritos. Okay. All right. You. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we're just going to wrap it and roll with it. We're just going <laughs> to roll with it. Gabriel Bradford, how are you? Feeling great. Excited right. for, like, first Fridays. It's going to be a good mm-hmm. night. It is. There's a lot of fun things going on. Josue Pais, good morning. Norma Peterson, good morning. Gamma's fam, hope everyone has a safe and happy Friday. Same to you. And breakfast burrito. Yes, yes, oh, yes. See, it's, yeah. it's already caught on. Wow, yeah. It's already caught on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I hope somebody's actually going to eat one and honor all the listeners yes. with the tastiness of it. Yeah. Um, we'll be talking about World Relief. For those who are unfamiliar, yeah. tell us about World Relief Chicagoland, mm-hmm. and this is the Aurora office that you represent. Yeah, for sure. So World Relief is a global humanitarian organization, and our mission is to empower our local communities and churches to serve refugees and immigrants. Mm-hmm. So we work with people from all around the world that are um, have had to flee their homes. They've had to leave their homes because of crises there. And so we welcome them and help them adjust to life in America through holistic services that we'll, we'll get into more. So World Relief Chicagoland has three office locations, and we're in the city, we're in DuPage County, and then we're here in Aurora. So we've been right here in downtown Aurora since 1999. Wow. Yeah. And you guys are on LaSalle Street. We are. Yep. We're right there. Also known as Auto Row. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, there's a big poster that you can see on LaSalle to read about that. Right. Yeah. It's a lot of history right And there. all the downtowns, some of those downtown, uh, you know, the bottom yeah. Ones have the history and the whole markers in there yeah. about what it used to be. Um, it's interesting because the building that you guys are in, I like the feel of it. Oh, yeah. Like it's got that it. kind of homey meets um, welcoming meets a little scrappy. So mm-hmm. we like it as a nonprofit. We we like that. Yeah. That. Um, I got an email once upon a time. Uh, office furniture donation <laughs> from World Relief. So the... Uh, <laughs> I furnished my basement with some of the stuff y'all was giving away. Nice oak furniture, though. Oh, so, yeah. you know, shout out. Shout We're out. so <laughs> glad. So glad. <laughs> yeah, I remember when I came there, I, I made a bunch of friends that day. Like, yes, he's here. Get it out of here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so 
what does the um, the refugee story, right? Yeah. Uh, for the people who are fleeing conflict and the different things that happen mm -hmm. out there in the world when they come here to America, in a nutshell, because we're not talking to refugee at the moment, but what's their story and what does the general public not understand about these people? Yeah, that's a great question. So refugees have had to flee their home because of the persecution they're experiencing based on their race, their nationality, their political opinion, their religious membership or our participation in a social group. And so um, we like to describe that um, refugees and immigrants experience something that pushes them out of their country and then pulls them to a new country. So the pull factor is wanting to rebuild their lives, right? right? They're wanting to restart their lives. So refugees, when they live in a refugee camp, which the average refugee spends about 17 years in a refugee camp before they're resettled into another country. And in these last two years alone, over a million children were born into the refugee life, so born in refugee camps. Um, and so many people will will live the majority of their life in a refugee camp if they're experiencing um, the, that, um, that crisis in their, in their home. And so um, something that we probably don't know about refugees is that refugees come, when they come to the United States, um, they've experienced obviously immense trauma and immense crises, and um, they've been picked up um, very suddenly from their home. Um, they'll say that the average amount of time that it takes a refugee um, to pack up their home and flee their home is three minutes. So it's like going into your home. I don't think I could even find my passport in right. three minutes time. Right. I don't currently know where my wallet is right now. You know, right. like what privilege I um, lost mine like a week ago. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. It happens. Right. So, um, so they've fled their home. They've lived life in a refugee camp and refugee camps. They, you know, they spark a lot of images in your mind. Some people might think tents. Some people might think sand and dirt. Some people might think, um, a large building that's vacant and just has bedding everywhere. Um, and they are everything in between right. that, you know, right. there's depending on the place, sometimes refugee camps are apartment style and other times they are tents camps that are surrounded by barbed wire fence. And so when you're living in a refugee camp, you um, spend a lot of time just waiting. You spend a lot of time just sitting there um, uh, waiting for what's next in your life. And then um, once you get resettled into the U.S., um, which is um, uh, the hope for a lot of refugees, there's about 37 countries in the world that resettle refugees. Um, they come here and they suddenly have to figure out a new way of doing life. Everything. Everything. From the currency right. to the traffic laws. Yes. Language, um, technology, how jobs work. Mm -hmm. Many refugees come here with immense skills and careers that they left behind. Um, I've had refugee friends who were doctors and surgeons in their home country, but then they come here and they can't practice because it's not the same um, credentials. And so they have to um, start a new career in order to provide for their family. And so um, they end up doing uh, various manufacturing jobs and things like that as they seek to rebuild their lives here. So um, all that to say, if um, the answer to your like long ago question of what do we um, maybe not know about refugees is um, that they bring with them so many assets and so many right. strengths. They bring such a beauty to our community right here. And Aurora has become this city filled with refugees and immigrants because of um, the work of organizations like World Relief that were able to, to welcome them here. And um, they bring a value to our community that I think makes us better 
better and stronger in a way that we couldn't be if it was just um, local Americans. Right. Um, now, the, the process when it comes to mm. so whatever the inception point looks like or whenever that was to now being assisted by World Relief Chicago and one yeah. of your offices, what length of time? What's I mean, I'm sure for each individual, that's probably very different. Right. But is there an average length of time that they've been in the is system yeah. a good word for it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The services. The services. So, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, so a refugee will find out that they are being placed in the United States, and then they, um, they're they still living in the refugee camp at this point, and then they go through about um, two years' worth of background checks and mm-hmm. screenings. Sure. And um, once they go through all of those, um, people don't realize how incredibly vetted refugees are. To be here. I'm glad you brought that yeah, up. I'm yeah. not gonna. I don't want to stop your train of thought. I'll come back to that. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Um, and so they 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 arrive here, but before they arrive, they know that they have been matched with World Relief Chicago Land. Mm-hmm. So there are other resettlement agencies here in the U.S. and um, but World Relief is just one of them and. Um, so they know that World Relief is going to be um, helping them. And so we meet them at the airport. A volunteer or a staff person goes and picks up our um, refugees at the airport. And then um, we give them intensive services for about a year. So that's everything from helping them create a budget, helping them get on their feet economically so that they can provide for themselves. World Relief is very focused on creating lasting and sustainable change. Um, It would be easy to write a check for $10,000 and say, have at it. But we want to create sustainability and a path forward for them. So all of our services really focus on that holistic, um, let's make sure that you you can start to walk on your own feet here because that's not just empowering, but it also gives them dignity. It also helps them say, I have a budget and I follow that budget or I have a job and I provide for my family or I saved up and bought a car. Now I drive that car. So um, for that first year, we're providing a lot of services throughout the year, you know, every 30 days, checks, mm-hmm. check-ins and things like that. Um, but then we continue to offer services for up to five years. So right. um, for a lot of people that looks like um they've got on their feet they've they're they're doing really well but they decide i want to start a career right or i want my child to go to college or I'm ready to branch my roots yes now. exactly yeah great the tree imagery is really mm-hmm. really good and um we always see that like um if you think about it refugees are bringing with them their roots from another country right. and now they're trying to transplant it here right. but their roots still have just this beautiful um, produces a beautiful branch that right. is not from here. And so it's figuring out how to integrate these two worlds of their sending country and their host country. Right. Yeah. Um, the, the, now, the thing that you mentioned, too, uh, and there's also accountability that's built into that, yes. too, and everything that you talk about, because if they're, they're staying followed up or they're being followed up with, they're being assessed right. and they're in constant contact with folks. But um, you brought up the, uh, the vetting process. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> The vetting process, uh, and and this is something that I don't think that our, um, uh, you know, especially in media in certain places has been fair with. The vetting process for a refugee is extremely robust. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's complete. Right. I mean, you're, you're, we're, we're working with Homeland Security. Right. Uh, who who will leave no stone unturned? No. You know, if, if you got a track it, a traffic ticket in Brussels, <laughs> they will find it. Yeah, um, for sure. And and I, I've always thought that that's been very unfair yeah. to demonize these people uh, because I think also a lot of people don't know the difference between a refugee 
and a migrant. For sure, yeah. Let's, Can you talk about that yeah, a little bit? Yeah, let's unpack that a bit. So um, to start, kind of like an umbrella there is that these are all very politically charged terms Certainly, that we're using. Right. You know, refugee, immigrant, migrant, mm-hmm. asylee, all these things. Um, they're, t- they're terms that we see in the news, and depending on um, what news you're following, they, they come with their own baggage. But um, something that I always like to remind people is that terminology is terribly unhelpful in giving human dignity, right? You know, like, True. you can't boil me down to one term. True. Um, I'm a whole person. And so I always encourage folks to remember like as you hear those terms suspend the feelings or the the judgments that you may have about those terms Mm -hmm. and instead remember that these are people these are humans with stories these are humans who have mothers and fathers they're they're humans that want to make a home somewhere so that's the kind of baseline Um, but then going from there um, there's lots of different um, ways of coming to the U.S. when you're outside of the U.S. So um, for refugees, before they even enter the United States, they've been granted that refugee status by the U.N. Right. So um, there's an entity within the U.N. called the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees, um, and they are the only entity in the entire world that can grant a refugee status. So if you, um, for example, if we today right here in Aurora were, were about to experience persecution because of our citizenship here in right. Aurora, um, we couldn't just say, I'm a refugee now. I need to flee my home. Um, that's a status that has to be applied for and then granted. Right. So refugees right. living in a refugee camp all have that status. So before they even come to the U.S., they, they have started that process. And then once they get matched with being resettled in the U.S. or any other country, they go through that system that that country has for Mm -hmm. resettlement. So um, the U.S. has... um, for sure, the highest standards of background checks and processes that refugees have to go through. So they go through medical screenings. Mm-hmm. They go through um, several different kinds of background checks. So we're not talking just like the little link we fill out before we get a new job. Oracle. Nah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah. yeah. It's like it's <laughs> FBI. very intensive. They're going through interviews where right. they're sitting down and speaking with someone who doesn't speak their language mm-hmm. and um, to to learn about this person and their story. And, um, and so... So that all happens before they even come to the U.S. And so that's a refugee story. But um, we're going to jump over to a really broad term, which is just immigrant. And Mm -hmm. immigrant is a very big umbrella term. And it means anyone who's foreign born, born outside of the U.S. and comes to stay for a prolonged period of time. So if you are coming to the U.S. on a student visa, that's not actually considered an immigrant because it's temporary, right? right? You know, Um, and so, but if your intention is to have permanent residence here in the U.S. um, and you were born outside the U.S., you're considered an immigrant. So then there's lots of different um, ways that immigrants can come here. We call it... um, alphabet visa soup you know mm-hmm. there's lots of visas that right. you can you can come here through so um for example it's um uh it's national it's international women's month and um women who experience trafficking or um, sex trafficking or are enslaved and things like that or are um, abused mm-hmm. in their countries there is a visa that allows for them to escape that and right. get to the u.s right and so there's lots of different options there um 
where we most often hear people talking about immigrants and asylum seekers or asylees, um, which is another term. It's just another term for people that have had to flee their home, but they don't yet have status to be here or they don't yet have a permanent status to be here. Um, we most often hear that being talked about in Latin America. And that's where a lot of the politically charged feelings and things like that come up. And the reason that you hear about that um, most often with immigration is because in Latin America, there are very few options for people to become refugees. Mm -hmm. The UNHCR, who I mentioned, grants that refugee status. They don't have offices in Latin America. And so to become a refugee, you have to get to a UNHCR office. And so um, there's a lot of government instability in Latin America. And so the UNHCR doesn't have a lot of established partnerships there. And so people experiencing very similar push factors in their home countries in Latin America, like refugees around the world, they don't have as many options to get to safety, to get to the U.S. So they seek out another option. They look for another pathway because they realize if I stay here in my home, I'm going to die. Which is what takes them from like Uruguay. Right. If you know anything about geography, all the way up to finally get to that is a perilous journey. So people that traverse up in South America, into Central America, and into Mexico, they'll often spend upwards of $10,000 to pay um, um, a basically like a guide who gets them there. But at each border, there's various things happening. Like they'll be asked for more money or um, uh, they'll be beaten or they'll crime, be, yeah, sex lots of crime, of lots of, lots of, um, it's not just a stereotype, lots of drug smuggling that people take advantage of immigrants yeah. of. Um, and so they'll often be very hurt. Many people do die on that journey. They say the most dangerous part about a refugee or immigrant story is that traveling part where they're trying to get to their first harbor of safety. And so um, that is actually an entire industry of trafficking known as the transit trafficking industry. It's where people are charging unjust huge fees Mm -hmm. just to try to provide them with safe passageway. And oftentimes it's not even safe. And then what happens for those Latin Americans is they'll get to the border of Mexico and the United States and they're faced with the decision. They're faced with the decision do I um, go to a port of entry and say, I want to declare asylum in the United States because my home country was not safe, at which point they're detained for um, usually um, 18 to to two plus years, um, 18 months to two plus years, um, or do I... um, just try to get into the United States without status. So right. um, we, we never judge those two different decisions that people have to make because that is a crisis traumatic moment. They are at the border having to decide, what do I do? So World Relief works with people regardless of their status and mm-hmm. regardless of how they got here. And we try to help them find a pathway forward that includes legal services. So helping them acquire that legal permanent residence card, which is what we colloquial call, colloquially right. call a green card. A green card, card right. Yeah. Right. So um, interesting. And it's because the color was typically green. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's not green right. anymore. So yeah. people, that's another thing. People, right. Didn't yeah. even know that. Yeah. yeah. Why does it, you know, yeah. why is it called a green card? Well, read. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but um, I've uh, been fortunate enough to travel in different yeah. places. And I've always told folks, like, if you haven't traveled outside of the United States of America, um, I mean, there are places where there is abject, tragic poverty. Right. And, uh, 
you know, I feel that um, not working in the industry, I do feel that America should not make these people's life or journey any harder yeah. than it already has been, you know, yeah. not without slicing through the, the onion layers of the political aspects. Sure. You know, I'm not right. the person granting the, right. anybody's status, but I, I do believe, right, do no harm. Right. Yeah. Don't add more trauma to the to the story that already is filled with trauma. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Um, so real quick, we are going to take a um, small break. Remember, I had that news I was going to tell you about delivering Ooh, uh, yeah. real quick. So, yes, yes, yes. ladies and gentlemen, it is um, First Friday. And it's Women's History Month. I got a couple of cool places to tell you guys about to go to tonight. Um, good morning to Jose Milagro Torres. Good morning. God bless. Good morning, Aurora. Appreciate that. Aisha uh, Saxon, Tracy Duran, Zora Zapata. Good morning and happy Friday to you as well. Zora Zapata is a uh, dear friend of ours. Mm-hmm. She is the namesake and founder of Zora Zapata handcrafted she does like face painting and uh, she makes all kinds of other great items look her up on instagram and facebook and actually before i give you the news hold on let me scratch it up for me wednesday michael rayford was here and he asked me why i had he asked me did i read his book (laughs) i told him no uh but that's because i was honesty you know because and and gabriel was like yo you didn't read it and i was like what if i told him that I had and I had it, you know, that was ethics right there. Um, That's because I was two books in the three books out that I need to read before I get to here is the last book, you uh, ladies and gentlemen, that I want to give to you guys that day. But I just remember it is this book here. Let me show you guys on camera. I will give you that women's history news here momentarily, but uh, it's this book right here. It is called the, the well-tempered sentence a punctuation handbook for the innocent, the eager, and the doomed. It's by Karen Elizabeth Gordon. This book here is magnificent. Mm. It's all about how to use punctuation good to your benefit and be creative and use it with zeal. Ooh, good word. Zeal. Yeah. You know, so you can write like, yes, boss, I'll be there tomorrow. <laughs> okay, check this out, guys. Um the uh, This first Friday's theme is Women in the Front, which spotlights women who stand up, take charge, and inspire. Uh, according to our friend Marissa Amoni, quote, it is such an honor to be able to uh, theme an evening around women in our community. Mm-hmm. There are a countless number of amazing women that have helped shape our city, close quote. She said that about a dozen venues will participate in the Women in Front theme for First Fridays, which will include special exhibits and feature many women-owned businesses. Number one is Zenloft Wellness Center, mm-hmm. 6 West Downer Place. Emily, what up? Good morning to you. Uh, they'll be open with women, an art exhibit from 5 to 9 p.m. The Aurora Historical Society will host an exhibit honoring artist and educator Ruth Van Sickle Ford from 6 to 9 p.m. GAR has Hidden Warriors, the history of women in the U.S. military. Now, that's going to be a good one. Mm. That's going to be a good one. You'll see some good firsts in there Ooh, um, yeah, yeah. about uh our, uh, our military. Uh, GAR is right around the corner from us, 23 East Downer Place. Art Bar at Two Brothers will host a Simpson show featuring Alexis Patino. Uh, there's a whole lot, too many to read to you guys, but I'll tell you about Artisan Lofts. They have uh, the Black Light featuring Johnny Felix paintings in addition to a Black Light palette makeup performance by Gina Jen mm-hmm. from Game Makeup Supply from 6 to 9 p.m. The time is 823. Mm-hmm. So, you guys have a number of services. One of them is the uh, DACA Citizenship Mm -hmm. 
course? What was it again? Clinic. Clinic. Yeah. 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 The yeah. doctor said, uh, tell folks about that. Yeah, for sure. So um, many people, um, we, um, so a huge, huge pillar of our work is our immigration legal services. It's mm-hmm. for sure one of our, our biggest department. Um, in the last year, almost 3,000 people received some kind of immigrant legal service right. um, provision. So, um, but those who are here through DACA or those who are in the process of becoming citizens um, often need a little bit of support in, in those next steps. And so, um, so, for example, when someone gets that legal permanent residence card, after five years, they can actually apply to become a citizen. Awesome. And so um, we host citizenship courses and, and, and clinics where they are coming and they're preparing for that exam. A citizenship exam, I am... Um, I did a like a game show as a, a marketing thing for World Relief, and mm-hmm. I failed the test. You and did? Yeah, I've lived here my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I went to school. I took history class. That I, honesty, though. Yeah, it's all good. Woof, it's all yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, but uh, it's a very hard exam, and mm-hmm. there's also a speaking component, and um, they um, there's a language component. And so these are people who have worked so hard. And what I want to highlight is that they've worked so hard while also often raising a family of children and making sure those children are set up for success and also working a full-time job. Mm -hmm. So it's like imagining like being in grad school at the same time as having babies at the same time as working. Um, And so they've worked very hard for this. And so we want to support them along the way. And they're there are people that have really established some good roots and, and gotten on their feet really well. And so in a lot of ways, they don't need World Relief for much. But um, this is kind of like that next step. And this is just such an exciting thing when you work at World Relief because you see someone who came here and didn't know the language and didn't know mm-hmm. um, how to get to the grocery store. And they didn't know like basic things um, about life in America. Why should they? Um, and then they are suddenly standing before a government official and told, you um, are a citizen of the United States. Right. You can vote in our next election. You like you are not going to ever be forced to leave here. Um, and so we um, we we help them along the way preparing for that. And one of the ways we do that is through just a huge program of volunteers. So we yeah. um, are a staff of um, somewhere in between. 100 and 200 we've been in in the midst of growing and i Mm -hmm. just can't tell you that exact number right now because there's lots of new faces pretty much every week which is really exciting for us um but in the last year more than a thousand volunteers served with us and over 400 of them were first-time volunteers so they've never volunteered with us and they're they're volunteering with us now so um with citizenship our volunteers will kind of act as a tutor Mm -hmm. and so they're sitting down with the curriculum for becoming a citizen and they're helping them um uh study and prepare and so i love these volunteers because some of them will come with like me not all of the knowledge but they learn together and i think that is what's so important um we we talk about um we always want to see mutual transformation where when you're engaging with a refugee or immigrant it's not just that refugee or immigrant who's being transformed but you're being transformed absolutely i am better because i'm friends with refugees i learn how to live life i learn how to celebrate holidays i learn how to engage with my neighbors because of refugees so um which that comes with lots of funny and and complicated stories too because it does humanity it does. is a thing right you know <laughs> So 
Um, I'll never forget, like anecdotally, I'll never forget. I walked into a home once and I was wearing flip flops and, um, cause it was the summer and I wasn't even supposed to be working. And, um, I walk into a refugee home and the father of the home just starts laughing at me. And I am, you know, very, I feel very awkward. Mm-hmm. Like, why is this man laughing at me? What's happening? And there was a language barrier. And so finally we figured it out through one of the, the teenagers. Um, he had never seen flip flops outside the context of the shower because they were just shower shoes in this country and so he didn't know he's like why are you wearing flip-flops you know so it comes with lots of funny stories and it comes with also lots of stories where I um have um assumptions that I need to check at the door um I'll I'll think this is how you live life because I've been living here in Aurora and you know like doing life here and to learn that life is done differently is is a huge um, a huge eye-opening experience. And you bring a lot of your own context and assumptions about how life should be lived. We all bring that. And so anyway, so that mutual transformation piece is something that's at the forefront of all of our volunteer opportunities. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I love about volunteering with World Relief because you don't just um, give, but you also receive a ton. And you as a person become better and you grow. Um, but another one of our volunteer opportunities is working with our DACA clinics. So, um, Mm, yeah, so DACA, um, you brought that up is, um, a program for people here in the U S and it comes with a lot of paperwork and it comes with a lot of confusion. And so we're hosting these clinics, um, basically like legal clinics where people can come and receive legal services at kind of like a, it's almost like, um, I sometimes call it like speed dating. It's very fast, but it's, but not inconsiderately fast. Um, but our volunteers help to run that and, and copy paperwork and things like that. And the paperwork with any of these, um, immigrant legal service elements, is just so intense. It's very intensive. I recently went to a new doctor's office and I had to fill out like 12 pages of paperwork. And mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know all the answers to these questions. And I am fully English speaking. I've lived here my, all my life. Like right. the paperwork for for immigration is triple that, you know, it's so intense. And so we're having volunteers and staff people, staff attorneys and accredited um, officials sit down with people to provide them with just and affordable legal services. Right. So it's a huge, huge area for us of um, being able to serve a population that is often taken advantage of because there's a lot of um, um, legal service provisions out there that are actually charging huge fees and we don't um, predatory those predatory yes, places yeah, yeah exactly and so they'll they'll just you know say give me ten thousand dollars go through this process but then they never actually get that that legal permanent residence card or they never they're taken advantage of and so we're providing very just and affordable services and the fees that we charge are basically just the fees to send in the paperwork right which is what a lot of people don't know yeah a lot of people don't know that. Yes. And that's where they get to, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it, it would yeah. cost the organization. Right. The credentialed organization. Yeah. It's just a yeah. matter of. Right. Right. But you. Yeah. Person A from Guatemala. Yeah. That's so sad. Yeah. And that's where the whole thing with, like, with just, we can't do, just do no harm. It's right. already bad enough. The right. system is already, which leads me to the question I did have. Um, yeah. What could be done hmm. um, at the federal government level that could make things easier or or better uh not necessarily the magic wand question but but what can be done or what legislation is out there that needs to be passed that needs to finally be accepted or approved that could make things better uh for the 
folks that we're talking about yeah. and for the organization. Yeah, for sure. So there's lots of options. Advocacy is a huge takeaway that if you're wanting to get involved in some way, um, you, anyone who is a registered voter can call their local or federal officials. So mm-hmm. you can um, go to a website just to, if you just type in who is my local and federal official, yep. you'll figure it out um, eventually. And so going there and um, you can call them at any time. I've learned this. They have staffers and delightful little interns around the clock. Absolutely. And they answer and they say, you know, what's your name? What, what is your zip code? And, and then you can um, share with them pretty much anything you want. And so I've started just doing this all like if I'm in traffic driving from work, I'll just hook up to my Bluetooth speaker on my, in my car and call my local official and um, remind them that I would like to pass a message on to my officials that I want to advocate for, for just measures for refugees, or I want to see more refugees welcomed into the United States. Every single, um, country that resettles refugees, they set a ceiling of the maximum number of refugees that can come to the U.S. And so in our previous presidential administration, that ceiling was lowered to the most historic low it had ever been Mm -hmm. in um, the history of refugee resettlement. And they were proud of it. They were very proud of it. Yeah. Deplorable. Um, yeah, it was it was really heartbreaking, but World Relief persisted, and we didn't stop doing the work, and we didn't stop doing the work of welcoming people um, who are here and who are coming. And so, um, but then it was um, when this current administration came in, they set the ceiling to a much higher number of 125,000 and um, but unfortunately, the infrastructure for welcoming those amount of people has really been depleted. Um, during that previous administration, there um, there was just not um, a lot, enough funding going into mm-hmm. refugee resettlement. And so, um, like I mentioned earlier, those background checks take two years. So if we don't have people in the pipeline, if we don't have them starting to cycle through, they're not going to start the background check. Right. So even though the ceiling was set at 125000 we didn't even come close to hitting that in this past year. Um, and so um, calling and reminding your official, I want to continue to see our ceiling to be increased or for us to get closer to reaching that ceiling. Um, that is one huge way. Um, and that kind of um, people sometimes can feel a little bit like if I'm just calling and leaving a message, is that even significant? Is that doing anything? But it does matter. Mm-hmm. Um, my officials eventually do reach back out to me and say, thank you. I took this with me to my to Congress or I took this. And so there's lots of people on the Hill that are advocating for more and more legislation. One piece of legislation that I'll highlight is that um, if you guys remember back last fall in 2021, I don't know, the years all start to blur. 2022, I don't remember. 2020, yeah. Yeah, probably. Um, I had to think about it myself too, like, damn. No, 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 no. okay, yeah. So (laughs) I, yeah, yeah. ever since 2020, it's just all irrelevant to me. It's all running together. It's all running together. But actually, no, it was fall of um, 2021. um, uh, the Kabul, Afghanistan fell mm-hmm. and Afghans fled here in heaps and bounds. Right. So, um, and so many Afghans came through a parolee assistance program, mm-hmm. which basically means you experienced an acute crisis that required an immediate evacuation. You came here, um, Afghans before they were resettled into communities, they were living in, um, the equivalent of a refugee camp or a detention center. They were living in camps around the U S so that they could be processed and, 
we were dealing with so many things here. Um, people are fleeing with no documentation because they had to. They were right. fleeing to the airport. It was a crisis. If you remember the photos and images of Kabul, it was devastating. And so they're riding, you know, cargo planes to get here. They get here, and then um, they're put into these camps so that they can be processed and also go through some um, minimum amounts of background checks and security checks, um, as well as um, medical screenings. COVID was still really prominent at the mm-hmm. time, so we were dealing with so many things. And so, um, but they came here and they are living here through this, um, their documentation is through this parolee assistance program. And so right now a huge legislation piece is to advocate for a way for them to have permanent residence here. So for, so they don't currently have that. So, um, uh, there is on the, on the legislation table, um, there is, a. A program for them that would allow them to get that green card to, to then move forward with mm-hmm. life in America. And the same is true for Ukrainians. So Ukrainians have, for the same reason, had to flee their home right. uh, because of war and violence. And so they too are here on a, a temporary program. And so advocating to your officials for pathways for Afghans and Ukrainians to have permanent residence here is a huge piece of, of legislature that we want to see happen. That's great. Uh, The time is 8.36 a.m. Jose Malagro says, yes, amen, unity. (laughs) Alejandro, good morning. Joe Jackson, good morning. Monica, good morning. Norma Peterson, good morning. Jennifer Ryan Mayton, good morning to you. Um, What can can I do? Yeah. What can a normal citizen do? What can just uh, anybody who's listening, right? Right. And they they, uh, think like we do, and they would like to help out how can the normal person get involved and what can the normal person do just to help out yeah great question so um world relief is filled with normal people so that that's perfect (laughs) yeah we we we've got a bunch of regular humans i don't want to join the crazies of good morning aurora how can i roll with you (laughs) um yeah there's lots of options um we um some of those options include um so like i talked about meeting a refugee at the airport and then we Mm -hmm. take them to their home um that's because we have um we take them to an apartment or a home that they're going to be renting that is fully furnished and ready to go Mm -hmm. and we're able to do that because of the donations of so many people so if you go to our website and and toggle down to get involved you'll see that you can donate items so we are um you took some furniture from us but we're often taking furniture from other people so um there's always things that we need and, and um, the refugee resettlement program requires us to have certain furnishings and certain things mm-hmm. in a home. So um, we have to meet those requirements as part of our funding. And so um, we're furnishing that home to create this really welcoming home. Um, and I'll, I'll tag on then another option is our volunteering. So we don't just ourselves like, you know, haul those couches in. Um, we have a team of volunteers to come do that. So apartment setup volunteers are my very favorite volunteer opportunities because which I probably shouldn't pick a favorite since I work at World Relief, but um, they are my favorite, so I'll just say it. Um, There's no point in in lying, but... um they come into this empty apartment. It's bare bones. It's not super pretty because we're right. talking about an apartment here, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, and it goes from just being this barren room to becoming a welcoming home in right. like 30 minutes. So it's right. like HGTV, but started non-profit. from the bottom. Yeah. Now we're here. Yes. Right. yes. Yeah. I always <laughs> sing that actually when I'm setting them up, but, um, it's super fun. And so you like roll up to a local, um, Aurora apartment. You you're there for 30 minutes. You haul in some furniture, but you fill the drawers, you put food in the cupboards, you like, you do all those things. And so it's super fun and it's an easy way to prepare that space. Um, so it's one of our opportunities 
opportunities where you're not engaging as much with refugees or immigrants. You're not meeting them, but you're instead just preparing the way for them, which I think is a really valuable um, opportunity. So volunteering is another huge way. We are always recruiting more volunteers mm-hmm. because um, we have so many different opportunities. Um, we have ones like that where you're we're doing something a little bit more task-based and then you have ones where you're engaging relationally with our refugee and immigrant neighbors so you're you're getting to know them we have an opportunity that's simply called friendship partner and that just means you're matched with a family and the goal is to provide friendship right to walk through life with them mm-hmm. for six months to a year and to get to know them, to sit down and have tea with them. I always tell friendship partners, you're going to gain probably 10 to 15 pounds because they're going to feed you like crazy. Right. They're going to, I've walked into a home before an entire goat was on the table prepared for me, ready to eat. And I was like, that's a lot of, a lot of meat. I oh can't, yeah. I oh, can't yeah. do that. You know? So um, no, um, it's, it's a, that's a great aspect of it. Yeah. Though, it's too. such a hospitable uh, world um, when you start engaging abroad. And so, um, so volunteering, that's huge. But then another big one is through um, giving, financially. So we are, um, we have uh, our 50-50 public-private funded organization. So we depend on the generosity of others. And I've seen just such beautiful stories where families have said, we're not going to go out to eat for a month. And we're going to put that money that we would have spent on going out to eat and we're going to give it to World Relief so that a family can have groceries for a month or something like that. You know, those kinds of things. Um, I've seen a lot of creative generosity and um, just a lot of, of joy that that brings families. So giving is a is a huge area. And um, if you're uh, like new to the World Relief world, uh, obviously our website, you know, it shares a lot of details. You can find a lot of information there, a lot of statistics. Um, but we have a really fun event coming up in April, our global gala. Um, and that is an event where we'll highlight stories of the work. We'll come together and mm-hmm. have a meal. We're, we'll hang out. There's going to be fun. There's going to be dancing. There's going to be, um, there's going to be a lot of joy. And so... Um, thank you. Um, yeah, we're really excited about that event. And even if you're not a longtime partner or a longtime, um, friend of world relief, we're welcoming anyone to that event. So, yeah. Um, well, before the camera came on and the mic came on, I told you my story of how I, you know, met world relief and you guys, which took me to my current path to the neighbor project and everything. But, um, yeah, you guys do a whole lot of good and it's, it's the, um, People can get involved with the refugees in, in, in that way. We have the um, one of the home uh, mm-hmm. maintenance courses yep. where we teach folks who are, have a refugee background like yep. what the smoke detector is yeah. and does. Yeah. Something we take for granted yeah. here. Like locking, how to lock a door with a key. Absolutely. Right. That's I mean, it's we, stuff like yeah, you don't even yeah. it's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, anecdotally, uh, one family had fish. Oh. drying on their balcony yeah. Yeah. right yeah it's like yeah. it's not really you know nope. it's not really something nope. to see every day in geneva illinois no. but you nope. know <laughs> yeah yeah it's always you're always on your toes you're always seeing new things so. yeah um all right real quick it's eight forty-two a.m gabriel bradford would you do us a favor would you please take us to a commercial young man and give us give us three pieces of news and could all you right. make one all of right. those pieces the senior paint class oak street health yes we have a they have a lot of things going on including senior painting which will be taking place on two days monday march 13th and the 27th from 1 to 2 p.m this will take place at oak street health located at 1022 north farnsworth avenue in aurora this will be a fun and creative experience for seniors and will also feature light refreshments you can call 630 
630-358-9232. Again, the number to call is 630-358-9232. And Saturday, March 11th, from noon to 3 p.m., will be the Chili Cook-Off happening at Java Plus, 1677 Montgomery Road. Competitors must complete an application plus a $20 fee for entry. For customers, there is a $5 fee, and that includes sampling and all the tasty submissions. All applications must be completed and submitted by March 1st. And for more information or to receive an application, you can call 331-212-6665. All right. Gabriel Bradford doing this. Was there one more? Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Are you all good, man? Gabriel Bradford doing I'm proud of him. Yeah. You hear how he delivered that? Yeah, Yeah, no, that's great. I want to go to the senior painting class. How old do you have to be? Uh, I I think you have to be a senior. Oh, okay. So, good job, young man. You, good job, young man. Right? He walked right past that mine. He did. Good job. Yeah, you're doing great. Keep going, man. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, March's first Friday, which is today, Will be an awesome evening for comic book fans. Tango Comics is having a release party and comic book exhibition at Bali Doyle Irish oh, Pub located nice. at 20 West New York Street in downtown Aurora. This will be from 6 to 10 p.m. and will feature live music and a whole lot of cool people. This is sponsored by our friends of the show, Viso Arts, and friend of the show, Joshua Schultz, who will be one of the featured artists. And get ready for the show. We will also be in the house. We have Brett Putin, who will be down there Ooh. and, uh, yeah, taking pictures. So yeah. if you see Brett, make sure to say hi. Shout outs to him. Absolutely. Brett Putin is our uh, our mentee of the Triumph Mentoring Program at Wabonzi Community College. That's Amazing. how we met this young man. He's now part of the show fully. And Brett will be here Monday, Wednesday, Fridays in two weeks. So, but Brett's going out tonight, get some pics. He's going to go over there, check it out. Fun. And uh, Brett is uh, community engagement. So, Love it. You know, he's That's in great. there. He's doing his thing. So good job, Brett, and we'll see you out there tonight, buddy. Um, so the time is 8.45 a.m., and we're here with our dear friend Rachel Wasink of uh, World Relief. Mm-hmm. This is a good conversation. Yeah, I'm having it's a, a good fun. conversation. Yeah. Um, so another point that I, I want to um, talk about, too, here is um, the – World Relief Chicagoland is DuPage, Aurora, and Chicago. Yeah. So one office, three locations. Right. Um, right now, there's been a big focus on, um, uh, well, not a big focus, but, you know, Ukraine and everything that's mm-hmm. going on there is is the the current tragedy. Yeah. Um, there's also the conflict in Yemen. Yeah. Uh, Turkey. And Syria experienced two earthquakes. Yeah. Um. And uh, I think there was it was like last year there was a, a flood in I believe our typhoon in uh, Bangladesh. Mm-hmm. With the amount of things that go on, yeah, it seems as if there's always going to unfortunately be something <laughs> that's going to be tragic in folks lives because people will get up and move for many different things um Mm -hmm. but but what's your you know what's your opinion of of kind of splitting the hairs with some of these things how does that feel does that impact the work you do i I know that you can you do your work in in a very professional manner you guys are awesome people but i'm just asking about the the internal toll if you wouldn't mind sharing that yeah yeah definitely so um 
Yeah, there we have no shortage of crises happening in the world, right? It's a lot. Um, and so um, a really cool part about working at World Relief Chicagoland is that we're a part of a um, a family of world relief. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have offices all across the U.S., not just here in Chicagoland, but then we also have offices abroad. So um, when something happens, like an earthquake in Turkey and Syria, um, we have people abroad that care about that really, really right. specifically happening, right? And so World Relief Chicagoland is specifically doing like the work that we're doing, right? We're in mm-hmm. the in the lanes that we are, are driving and um, we do really good and deep work there. Um, but there are things happening around the world and I'll say crises like Ukraine or Afghanistan when it does impact just our local context it is um I remember you know when Afghanistan happened when the fall of Kabul happened and and Afghans were pouring in it was just this like really chaotic kind of like frontline moment where you're like the adrenaline is pumping Mm -hmm. and um I got a call once and um someone said hey I have some donations that I want to drop off at your office um can you bring a crew to unload that those donations and it's like yeah for sure like we're about to have a flood of afghans come we need those donations and i go to the back where our warehouse is and there's four small u-haul trucks filled to the brim like we're talking like hoarders level packing um and it's four for u-hauls filled with stuff and i'm like this is more than just a crew unloading this this is a lot of stuff Right. right and so um you're you're just on the ground moving that whole time when those crises are happening in triage mode. Um, and then, you know, I remember that day that we finally finished unloading all those things I um, had not been expected. I was wearing like, you know, my business cash mm-hmm. outfits and um, yeah, I was not wearing, I learned my lesson. <laughs> I, I've thrown away all my flip flops. So, um, but they, um, you know, I'm like hauling these boxes full of, of hygiene items, full of basic pantry items, all these things. And, um, some laundry detergent had like spilt down my dress. And so it was like a little sticky, a little soapy, Mm -hmm. but whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, and there was one last box and I kid you not, it was like the last box and I grab it and it turned out to be this box full of um, baking flour and one of the bags broke. And I had that like sticky laundry dress situation. And then, and the flower just whoosh, stuck to me. And I just like looked down and I was like, well, I'm really tired. Right. You know, like the the work can be very tiring and and we have lots of different positions. One where you're engaging directly with clients, where you're working with them and you're being exposed to their traumas. Um, mm-hmm. We have an entire team of mental health professionals who are providing counseling services to our clients um, to help them process their trauma. And so we talk a lot about what is secondary trauma, where you're exposed to someone else's trauma, but mm-hmm. it's not your own, um, and how to do that, um, how to what to do with that. And so World Relief does a great job of giving us um, trainings about like what do you do with this how do you have good boundaries in the workplace and um, there are seasons where that is a little bit harder like when you have four u-hauls of items and you just have to unload it and you have to do it so um but we i think one of the things that we make space for is that um we make space for talking about some of the things that we're facing as a staff. We have regular gatherings of our staff where it's like you can sit down and be like, this happened with this person, this happened with this client and you can kind of just understand each other. And I think that's where like the people that are working at world relief, they're not just doing that because it's a job that pays their bills. They're doing it because they want to be there. Right. And we want to do this work and we get this just frontline exposure to these beautiful people. I get to just like hold really beautiful, stories all the time and um 
And so, yeah, I think the toll sometimes does weigh on us a bit, mm-hmm. for sure. Like, we're tired at times, but... Um, but the work is always so meaningful, and so it keeps us it keeps us grounded. And um, we're a faith based organization, and we we serve out of that that faith motivation because right. we believe that like God's heart for welcoming the refugees are, are very clear throughout the Word of God. So um, so and and I will say like we're that faith based organization, but we work with people from all different practices and religions, and, right? And Absolutely, like, you know, we welcome them um, no matter what. And so um, yeah, that keeps us pretty grounded, but. Yeah, it's a it's a good question that not most people mm-hmm. think to ask. So. I don't. Uh, I I applaud you guys for what you do because I do know kind of like we talked about with the um, the cultural experience. You know yeah. what one has been raised with here and everything. Like uh, it takes a lot to not the average person can't do that. No. Yeah. You know, people might be able to sit in an office and fat. You know, process files. Yeah, right. But for sure. But unloading the box in in a <laughs> in a the home of a Somali refugee. Right. Yeah. It's not. It's, it's not different. something that happens every right. single day to to no. most people in America. Um, and you got to be built for that. Yeah. And that's what I think uh, when it comes to the work that's being done. That's what makes me happy about it. And that's what I like about what I do. You know. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. With the new yep, Yeah. Exactly. You know, and I think a lot of us at World Relief learn um, how to do the work from our refugee and immigrant neighbors. Um, I've seen just so many gritty powerful, strong people. There's mm-hmm. one woman I want to highlight and, and she says I can share her name, but her name is Gorith. And she came here in 2015. Um, she lives right here in Aurora and she's awesome. And she's very headstrong and very savvy. And she, um, came from, um, a refugee camp and, um, she had to leave behind her husband because her husband, um, was someone that she, um, her, her first husband had died and in, um, the refugee experience and fleeing their home. And she had remarried in her time in the refugee camp, Mm -hmm. but her husband was on a different, um, kind of, you know, case than her. So she had to leave him behind. And so she came here with her two daughters. Um, talk about international women's month. Like this woman is the like picture of international women's month for me. Um, she came here with her two daughters and she got to work. She, um, she was missing her husband, missing her home country, missing her familiarity. And she got a job. She started going to England classes she um made sure her daughters were enrolled in school she said like we're we're not going to just like passively wait for um our my husband to come like we're going to work really hard she got into a savings program where she could save up to buy a car and save up to buy a home she's like she's done the work and she has just as she's done the work she's never lost hope um and i think that's where like we've learned from people like goreth to mm-hmm. never lose hope and then fast forward to to 2022 and um, seven years after she arrives her daughters are now in college studying at university establishing their own lives here and um, Gorth has spent the last seven years advocating for her husband to come trying to go through the process of reunification which is a, a legal service that we help our clients with and seven years later he arrived here in the U.S. That's and awesome. he's now joined her and, and gets to like see his wife settled and integrated into life here. And so I think we learn from stories like that, where it's like that persistence and hope is unwavering. And so if they can have that amidst their immense trauma and experiences, what if we had that too? And Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the time is 8.55 a.m. Um, 
How can folks get in contact with World Relief? What is yeah. the uh, numbers and get in contact with you for uh, more information? For sure. So we are on, um, World of Chicagoland is on all the socials. So follow us there. Um, you'll see lots of information about upcoming events, upcoming things like our global gala, which I already highlighted. Um, and then our website is a great way to take any next step. So if you um, go to worldrelief.org slash Chicagoland, you'll see how to get involved, whether it's volunteering, giving, donating items. All the details are, are really clear on there. And then um, my role at World Relief is one of actually just connecting with partners. I get to have a lot of coffee meetings. And I... Anyone listening, I would have coffee with to talk about World Relief because that's that's Sounds part of like the job. My job. Yeah, yep. I I love my job. So um so if you you go through our website, you'll eventually get to my name and and find me there. So yeah, that's awesome. Uh, well, the time is eight fifty five. Um, this was a great conversation. Yeah. We will continue to share you guys this stuff. We always share uh World Relief news yeah. all the time. Anything so you guys thankful. are doing. Yeah. Um, it's going. The weather's going to be getting good really soon. So uh, neighbor project. I'm going to make some social media posts for us but uh we're doing we got a call to volunteers to get some of our stuff done yeah. are you guys going to be ramping up volunteer work for sure soon? we have a lot of summer programming especially for our kids which is super fun so if you're if you get a summer break whether you're um, a student yourself or a teacher or anything like that we have a lot of fun summer programming for kids to keep them entertained and growing and learning mm -hmm. in the summer um, but then yeah like as we see more and more people coming to the U.S. Right. and we expect um, just that number to increase in the years ahead and, and we're really hopeful about that. We need more and more volunteers. So, yeah, we are definitely ramping up. All right. All right. Yeah. Well, um, this was a fantastic episode today. Um, I feel like I learned a lot. I knew about the organization, mm -hmm. as I mentioned, uh, work right around the corner from you guys. But yeah. I, I do feel like I got a better understanding of okay. what you guys do. I'm also glad that people got to hear the distinction between what we're talking about, an immigrant and a refugee. Mm -hmm what's going on the vetting yeah. process and all that kind of stuff I'd, I'd like to i'd like to raise the level of discussion when it comes to talking about um mm -hmm. immigrants in our country yeah and i'd like to tamper down as much of the much of the nonsense that doesn't help the overall goal as possible yeah. i think that i think this yeah. interview today did that i'm so glad and that's like my number one encouragement is like keep learning i gave you like a tip of a tip of an iceberg here mm -hmm. like there's so many great um pieces of literature and movies and um documentaries out there about refugees and so if you're if you heard me say something or you're like oh i want to know more about daca or i want to know more about this um there's a ton of resources out there and one of my favorite ways to do that is by reading memoirs. So many refugees and immigrants have written memoirs and reading those books and reading their stories is kind of the number one way that I've learned a lot about them. That's awesome. So, yeah. That's awesome. I'm glad to have you on the show today. Yeah, this was a good one. So much. This was a good one. Oh, good. Ladies and gentlemen, have a fantastic weekend. Good morning, Aurora. We'll return next week on Monday morning. Uh, we've got some good stuff coming up for you guys. Brett Putin is going to be out there in the conversation tonight and around town. If you see him at Ballydoyle for the Tango Comics book release, say hi to him. He'll have on a Good Morning Aurora shirt. He's unmistakable. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, be blessed. Take care of yourself and each other.